grab a bucket and a mop. I'm a wet ass Selena. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pit full of snakes. <laughs> a pit full of snakes, snakes, Corey. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And um, we're here joined by Dakari. Hey. Hey. Hello. Hello. Dakari, you're glowing. I see, like, your face just looks like sunlight. It really does. You look moist. Moist. (laughs) Moisturized. Okay. So, like, literally, it's the only kind of skincare routine and, like, makeup. Like that I actually usually buy. Like when I was stripping, I would only I would use like matte foundation and then like for every day I would just use like dewy. Cause like I just want to look like a little little grease ball. That's yeah. all. <laughs> for sure. I agree. I agree. I feel like people who are like, you need a dab are wrong. You don't need to dab. No, you don't. No. Just let I don't even know that. what does that mean? I was, I'm sorry. Dab I dab away I like whenever you're shiny. Oh. Like the, mm-hmm. the glow. Just let just glow. Just yeah. go ahead and glow. I agree. I agree. Yes. <laughs> Every episode, we begin with a segment we call Historical Hose. And this week's historical hoe is Veronica Franco. You might know her from paintings of her with her tits out. She was born in 1546 to a family in the Cittadini class. Franco received a humanistic education at a young age from her brother's tutor, which was an unusual opportunity for a Venetian woman. She continued her education by mixing with learned men, writers, and painters. This granted her access to a patron who sponsored her writing, which sounds pretty scandalous for the 16th century. Franco learned additional skills from her mother, Paola Fracas, um, who wanted to find suitable patrons for her and eventually marry her off. While still in her teens, Franco was briefly married to a mature, wealthy physician named Paolo Panisi. At the age of 18, she became pregnant with her first of six children. In order to support herself, Franco turned to serving as a cortigiana to wealthy men. Cortigiana honesta, honored courtesan, were intellectual sex workers who derived their position in society from refinement and cultural prowess. She quickly rose through the ranks to consort with some of the leading patricians in Venice and even had a 10-day liaison with Henry III, King of France. Franco was listed as one of the foremost courtesans of Venice. She published books of letters and collected the works of other leading writers into anthologies. Successful in her two lines of work, Franco also founded a charity for courtesans and their children. In 1565, she was listed in the catalogue of all the principal and most honoured courtesans of Venice which gave the names, addresses, and fees of Venice's most prominent sex workers. Imagine that. Sounds dope as hell. Her mother was listed as the person to whom the fee should be played, paid. By 1570, or the 1570s approximately, she belonged to one of the more prestigious literary circles in the city, participating in discussions and contributing to and editing anthologies of poetry. 
as a famous courtesan in a wealthy and cosmopolitan city. Franco lived well for much of her working life, but without the automatic protection accorded to quote-unquote respectable women, uh, women, not lemons, she had to make her own way. She studied and sought patrons among the learned. In 1575, during the epidemic of plague that ravaged the city, Franco was forced to leave Venice and lost most of her wealth when her house and possessions were looted. That year, Franco also published a book of her own poetry, Terzi Rimi, in which she was frank about her own life, including its sexual aspects. Upon her return in 1577, she defended herself with dignity before the Inquisition in charges of witchcraft, a commonplace complaint uh, lodged against courtesans in those days. The charges were dropped. Evidence shows that her connections among the Venetian nobility helped in her acquittal. Franco's 50 familiar letters were published in 1580 in Venice. The first is written to Henry III, King of France, and the 21st to Jacopo Tintoretto, the Venetian painter, thanking him for the portrait he did of her. Her later life is largely obscure, though surviving records suggest that although she won her freedom, she lost all of her material goods and wealth. Eventually, her last major benefactor died and left her with no financial support. There is little information for her life after 1580. Records suggest that she was less prosperous in her later years, but was not living in poverty. Though her fate is largely uncertain, uh, she is believed to have died in, you know, relative poverty. So, you know, yeah, uh, was she poor? Was she not poor? Sad to say she probably died poor. Um, what a shame. But also very cool life and also some portraits you should check out, including one that features a very nice presentation of some areola and one that outright fully shows off both of her breasts. Um, it, very cool. We will post this on the timeline. And that is the life of Veronica Franco, this week's historical hoe. not too long ago um and i just want to give a brief intro to you you uh are the head of the chicago stripper strike um and that's incredible and you're out there in chicago how is it right now out there um well it's like it's like it's been snowing nonstop, but i think we're gonna start looking up um and getting some warmer weather like i heard like it's like this week, it's probably going to reach above freezing temperatures. Oh. Um, so that's good. Fancy. So, like, <laughs> the groundhog, like, wasn't playing. Like, y'all definitely finna get more cold. But, like, you know what I mean? I think, I think like, we're, we're in for, for better days. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, it can, like, start snowing again. Because that's just how Chicago is. Right. It's so cold. I'm not uh, have you always lived in Chicago? You know, um, actually, no. Um, I moved to New York when I was 19. And then after that, I moved to Los Angeles. Um, and then after that, I have moved to Texas, San Antonio. So the worst one. Oh. And then um, 
And then I moved back to Chicago. Like I just was like, mm, I have no other interest in going anyplace else. Like I refuse to go to like Florida, which is like the limp dick of this country. Yeah, it's our national <laughs> chode. <laughs> oh my God. And then like, you know, I don't know. Like, I've always thought about moving to New Orleans, but I'm always, like, so scared of, like, hurricanes. I just always lived in the city. You feel me? So, like, yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was living with my dad for one year, that was, like, my first experience of, like, you know what I mean? Like, of real inclement weather. Like, they had a tornado warning or some shit out there, and it's, like, Joliet. So, it's more land than, like, buildings or any buildings at all, really. And we're out in, like, a suburb of a suburb. So it's, like, Shorewood. And I heard them sirens. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And they're like, it's a tornado warning. It's a tornado warning. Let's just get down in the basement. And after that, like, experience. And, and it was no, like, real tornado going through. Mm -hmm. But after that experience, I was like, yeah, I'm never moving anywhere where it's, like, tornadoes, hurricanes, you know what I'm saying? Volcanoes, none of that shit. I'm going to just say <laughs> my black ass in the cities where, you know what I mean? There's just no kind of, like, you know, rain. I can do a yeah. little, little snow, a little sleep, but like. Earthquake? Yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of get that. Although I did move to a place with earthquakes and wildfires so yeah. shout out to to california <laughs> but i did leave oklahoma because of the tornadoes it was just too much it you're was from oklahoma much. i'm from oklahoma yeah and oh. <laughs> yeah where are you from oh i'm la adjacent i'll say la for a lot of reasons uh but la adjacent a suburb uh close to la and, okay. Uh, yeah, grew up here Cute. all my life. Never moved. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> no reason to, you know. Like California seems like. I mean, I actually, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. I did not have a good time in LA. Mm, oh, yeah. <laughs> why didn't you have a good time? Um. Well, like, I think like the transplants just make it weird. Like the people who aren't who come from like butt fuck, you know, Ohio to so be mean. in California. <laughs> and I'm here to become an actor. And like they get out there and they're, you know, they they harden because like life, you know, hits them in a the face where it's like you're not the only blonde bitch who wants to be an actress yeah. and like, you know, tough titty. And then, like, they just, like, everybody's just far too interested in impressing other people, um, I felt like, when I was out there. And it was hard to kind of, like, make friends and navigate. Um, and, yeah, it was just, like, kind of weird. And, like, yeah, it was just weird. Plus, like, I had a shitty boyfriend at the time, so. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'll color it, too. L.A. is a, a cesspool of ego. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody says that, but I've met so many nice people. <laughs> I've been surprised, honestly. Like, everybody's like, oh, everybody's really terrible out in L.A. And I'm like, you know, it really depends on where you are in That's LA. true. And I stay in the hood. So, okay, well. So people in the hood are chill. I think that's a, a piece of LA though like the and the majority of LA I would say I would have to agree with you Dakari. <laughs> I mean if you're okay if you're in the west side 
If you're in Beverly North Hills, side, if you're in North Hollywood, even East LA got some. Because I was in I was in Koreatown, so I lived actually at the I Kipling Hotel, um, like right on Third and Kingsley, mm-hmm. and I loved the neighborhood. But it was just, but I also worked in West Hollywood, and that's you know what I mean. Like yeah, that was we just had most a whole shitty experience. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. There's just this slow I, shake happening. I have, no I have no words. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what were you doing in West LA? Like what work? Um, I was at first like just because um before like living in New York, I was modeling, but I was also like working at like a cafe. And um like after that I just moved to LA and at first I was working at like after the cafe job, I had gotten a job working at European wax center. Um, so I had just transferred to like the West Hollywood location at European wax center. And then I started working at planet beauty, um, which is like that makeup place or whatever. And I was one of the makeup artists there. And then after that, I started working at Johnny was um, in West Hollywood, which essentially closed down. Um, But I pretty much worked in West Hollywood the entire time. I just like didn't want to work at any malls um, or at least like that mall right there. What's what one is that? Which one in West Hollywood? Uh, it's not West Hollywood. It's like if you were to continue going down third, I feel like I know what you're talking or, about. I can't think of the name of the of the mall, but it's like a big one. And Is it Beverly Hills? Oh, the Beverly Center? No. Yeah, maybe Beverly Center, the Grove, or oh no, I worked at the Grove. That was oh. that was the place that I worked at, but not like, but that's on Fairfax. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but maybe. <laughs> But you yeah, can look it up. You can Beverly Google Center. it. I think it's the Beverly Center. I just didn't want to work over there. Yeah. Um, and I felt like, like everything else was too far. Um, yeah. Everything else was just like way too far for me to like try to travel because I also didn't have a car either. So. Oh, no. oh you had yeah, you that... didn't have a car in L.A. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I just took the bus. That's that's why I stayed in West Hollywood. I'm like my black ass go here, I go home, and all of that is just one big L. Like yeah. all of it was just big ass L. It's like K Town is like accessible because you can literally walk K Town. Yeah. Like there's something like every block, you know, like cool shops, places to go, we spa, all the other. Uh. <laughs> spas i miss them i'm so sad i don't know if they <laughs> will, will exist will they ever open again in december i don't know god i miss them when so I w- much when i was there there wasn't really much other than like the like there was like there were i felt like when i was living there which was 2014 it was like a lot of restaurants um a lot of like salons and spas um, but like, I also like didn't have the bread or like the fucking like thought to even try to like treat myself to a spa or treat mm-hmm. myself to like any of that shit. Yo, but um, my favorite thing about the Korean spas is that they're like 20 bucks or 25 bucks for a whole day. I just didn't even think of that. That was the thing. Like I had went to a spa the first time when like one of my friends, Kelly invited me and I was like, oh, why haven't I done this shit? Like literally, why haven't I done this shit? But I think it was just because like I was working so much and like just like trying to survive. Yeah. I mean, busing just it's like an hour to get anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) 
yeah it was it it was you know i I visited again and i gave it another chance and i actually stayed in uh koreatown when i went i was staying at the line hotel um which is really cute and it was actually super inexpensive you were staying in the line like living no i was just like they oh like when i visited like i visited for a week a couple years ago and i was staying at the line hotel and it was real cute i love that place yeah i know i was always like i want to go there one day but when i have the money and i did and it was fine it was just a little time that's my favorite i love that place so much so how did you start in with stripper strike um yeah how did you start with that or did you were you one of the founding members or um <laughs> no um i actually so the founder is actually kat hollis um who founded pdx strip or haymarket well collective um and pdx stripper strike is like the action um so like stripper strikes are like the action that happened within the city or state that it takes place and then like hey but it's essentially under haymarket full collective um i'm not the founder kat hollis is um who's from oregon and um what happened was that um during like the protests and like the george floyd protests and everything during the during the george floyd protests i felt like i was always like one of the people to be like out protesting and supporting like not supporting but like you know being a part of like other causes and then like but also kind of like not knowing that i had any power to do anything about my own um and like when all the protests are happening and everybody's you know talking about like their the you know the businesses that they're a part of or you know the businesses that they patron or you know, just, you know, everything, everything that encompasses like Black Lives Matter and what like it meant. Um, I began thinking about like my own life and I had just like, I had, you know, quit my job um, working at Warby Parker um, and I had, you know, had another job before then when I was working at uh, Hyde Park Property Management, like I, in every job that I've ever had, outside of the jobs where I predominantly worked with black folks, I always dealt with a race issue and I always caught them out on it. Or I always tried to report it to management and HR and nothing would like come of it or nothing would happen. Or I'd get bullied so bad by like court, you know, management or whatever until like I quit. And then I started thinking about like, you know, damn, the clubs are like super racist. And like, again, and, and what is it, what is it about like these spaces that like I feel like I don't have any power to ever say anything like what is it you know what I mean like what is it like you're going into work you work and like you you make your money at the end of the day you make your club money at the end of the night and like you fucking leave and you come back to work and like what is it about like being in those spaces where like you feel so small to not say anything to not stand up to customers half the time to not stand up to management to not stand up to even some of your cohorts your peers and not because like you're scared but like essentially but just overall tired because of like you know what i mean like it is it like forces you to like keep your head down and just like keep working just keep moving Mm -hmm. and when i was thinking about this and thinking about it for like weeks and weeks and days and i was just kind of like 
you know, something like no one's saying anything about this. And I was following like a lot of like stripper pages and stripper meme pages and everybody's laughing about like how they can't wait to get back to work. But like no one's talking about like the issues that actually you go through at work. And I was also thinking about like as much, um, sorry, this is such a long. No, no. go in, go, go in. <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging on every word. Yes. <laughs> but I was, but I was, um, but I was also thinking about like, you know, yeah, we want to get back to work to just like continue to like, you know, to continue like the co- being the cog in the wheel. But like, you know, I also feel really at peace not being there. And I feel really good not being there because I don't have to go through the shit that I had to go through. And like, you know, are you and then like how 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 happy you are in like there's this panic, obviously, that like you're losing your income and how what, how are you going to pay your bills? But there's also this and, and you know, you're frantic about it. And then there's also this like sense of like peace and just like a weight lifted off your shoulders that like you're also not being like mistreated. And you're also like, you know what I mean? Like just at home with your. <laughs> yeah, like there's like all this suffrage going on. But then you're also th- and I was also thinking about like, well, I'm not having to go through the shit that I have to go through there and i'm also i don't know if i'm even willing to get back there i'm not i'm not willing to put myself back in that situation again i'm, I'm just not willing mm-hmm. um and granted like i suffered a lot but i just wasn't willing so i wrote this petition um i wrote this petition and i was just kind of like yeah my club did some really fucked up shit and like, and not just this club, it's, it's not this, just this isolated incidents, but like, mm-hmm. they're all over. Yeah. And like, because I've danced in New York and I've danced in Texas and like, you know, it, it's fucked up everywhere. They uphold these policies. Like it's a uniform thing. Yeah. Um, and, um, I was just kind of like, you know, and, and there are specific instances where it was kind of like, you know, damn, that's a little weird at the, sh- you know, the, the club that I worked at. Um, but it was also just kind of like, it was kind of, it was really nice to not only see people from the club signing the petition um, and we're just kind of like, this is, this is like, this is great because like I felt this way too, but it was also really, it was also really cool to kind of see other people from different states and different cities who went through the same thing because like it just confirms you know my like strong beliefs of like I know this isn't just happening here it's not this isolated thing is happening everywhere but so and and maybe we all feel too small to say anything maybe we all feel you know what I mean like too powerless to say anything or do anything because like we're just cogs in the wheel trying to like fucking survive and like who wants to fight when you're like you're like surviving is already a fight within itself and who wants to go to work every fucking day fighting just for like the just for the promise of survival being peaceful mm-hmm. you know what i mean like so it started with a petition and then i had and then somebody had reached out to me one of my friends and was like hey um I heard about the PDX stripper strike happening and maybe you want to reach out to like this person here since she's like the lead organizer. So then like, um, I was like, wow, thanks. And she was like, actually I reached out to her for you. And then I reached out to Kat myself and then Kat had reached back out to me and was like, would you actually like to start like the Chicago chapter and like join one of like the steering committee calls? And I was like, yeah, cool. Sure. Like, what do I do? Um, Because right now it's just like, this petition and I'm kind of like, 
yeah, but like, I also don't know, you know what I mean? Some things like kind of take mood, like turns on its own mm-hmm. and leads, leads it to the right, right set of eyes or the right group of people or whatever. And then there are other times where it's kind of like, you know, you do have to navigate the wheel a little bit. Um, so I was kind of like, I did the thing, I spoke out, but like, what do I do after that? Yeah. Um, so I pretty much just like, like joined all the calls and, um, tried to develop, you know, partnerships for, um, sustainability. Um, we're not a 501c3, but we are more so focused on mutual aid. Um, essentially like whatever little cash app donations people give, I always give back out. Um, we did get one real quick. Huh? You want to plug your cash app real quick? Yeah. Um, dollar sign HMP Chicago. That's H as in, Hey, um, M as in May, P as in or hey market poll, H-M-P. hey market poll. Yeah. <laughs> um, I <laughs> hey, <to> May poll, <laughs> hey market poll, hey market poll. Um, so yeah, but H A Y M A R K E T P O L E Chicago. Um, and it should be like a little purple icon with a little black stripper shoe with red lettering. So that's the I the I G. But the the, yeah, the cash um, app is the dollar sign H M P Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Perfect. Dope. And so you've been doing some mutual aid campaigns for people. Um, what's it been like for strippers out there with the pandemic and also just winter? You know, what have you noticed with need? Um, what I've definitely noticed is that, like, you know, strippers are very um strippers are prideful you know what I mean like we're kind of very used to this very like individualistic mindsets of having to just like do for ourselves Um, (laughs) because like and and it's kind of like well I think it also goes it points out like how do people usually like become strippers you know what I mean like and my not to say like I just know like my story like per se was kind of like I hate asking people for help and I love what I do, but it was also kind of like, I'm not asking nobody for help. So I'm going to just start, I'm going to start straight. I'm going to get into stripping and I'm going to just do for my own. So like, you know what I mean? If I ever need the money right away, if I ever need the money right now, I'm going to get it. Um, And I know like that's where it came from, but I think strippers tend to have this very like individualistic mindset and you can tell from how even people work um, like on a night. And I think like, it's hard for people to kind of ask for help. Um, And I usually just kind of like allow people to like, I I do, I do outreach. I do like ask like, Hey, if you need anything, like let me know. But I think I also allow people to like recirculate. And when people recirculate that information, people usually go to like somebody who's trusted. Um, I don't usually have any photos on my Instagram stripper strike. Um, just because like I want to maintain anonymity Mm -hmm. Um, and from that I think I think that also helps people reaching out to me too Um, because I think like people don't there's no face kind of attached to it Um, or there's no or people maybe people feel like it's a person it's personal but also not as personal because it's not like an individual helping people more than it is of just like what they think is like this entity um and you know what I mean? Like, so people can just, 
yeah, people usually just like reach out. Um, and uh, Lenzo and I hosted a coat and toy drive. Um, and it was funny because uh, during winter um, or during the Christmas month, because it was and it was funny that like a lot of people didn't reach out for the toy drive. Like a lot of people didn't show up to come pick up toys. But I noticed that like people were more and it was just because it's cold and no one wants to fucking travel in the cold, especially mm-hmm. in Chicago. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people usually just like, you know, would ask if I could send it to them um and that's how i was delivering the toys was just like packing them up and then bring also giving them like wrapping paper and uh tape and bows and then just sending them in like uber connects that's so sweet yeah that's so amazing thank you um yeah and then like when people did usually we got like there were more donations than there were actually like pickups but so like pick, picking p- picking things up was always kind of like hard to gauge just because no one wants to travel in the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we, you know, do deliver. Um, and then my partner and I also make like chili. Uh, vegan, well, he makes the vegan chili. Um, he's really, really good at it, but he, he makes vegan chili to like pass out whenever we're doing those like events. That's Beautiful. so sweet. That's so sweet. Yeah, food is really important. There are so many people who are food food insecure, and uh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting that you said um, that. You know, there is this like deep sense of individualism with strippers, and like a lack of like we don't think of our each other as people we can depend on. Like we don't think of each other as a, a community. You know, or it's like a very like because of the way that clubs are like it's a constant sense of like competition. You're in it for yourself. Um, It's just you and you are the independent contractor in this and what money you bring home is yours and don't touch my money. And, you know, it's it's not like there's not very much of a sense of collaboration or like unless it's a bad day and then we're all like oh that was a bad day or something unless one chick is making a lot of money (laughs) no um i was actually gonna say like one thing i will say about the club that i worked at was that like i think like we were people there or the the strippers there are very like tight-knit we were very 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 tight-knit like if there was any customer that was like you know what I mean? That gave me the inkling that he liked black girls. It was kind of like, I would literally grab all my black girls yeah. and be like, come on, let's go, let's go over to this dude. Same. Um, was- oh my God, same. <laughs> or like, you know, um, sometimes I've, I've heard of people being pissed off about like, I don't like it when like girls like are coming to my stage and telling guys to like tip me. And it's kind of like, I don't know. Like the, I've had girls who there. I, I remember there. There are these twins, and um, if they were like sitting at this, they would literally like for the girls that they like liked or were friends with or whatever. And um, they, if they were like sitting at the stage already, they'd be like, "No, no, no, stay!" and like make the guys stay, and then be like, "You need more singles," and then like make the guy go get singles or like have the waitress come by and bring them singles and then like convince them to tip every girl. And it's kind of like they're sitting at the stage. Yeah. But they're, they're also like convincing men to give you money mm-hmm. or they're like screaming at the men to give you money. So like we were very like communal 
at my place of work where we just kind of like help each other out. That's so yeah. sweet. I love doing that too. I mean, it's, I remember, you know, really heartwarming stuff. We would, you know, if somebody wasn't getting money, like we would just throw our own money from our bags on them mm-hmm. and be like, and be like, look at this guys. Like why, look at how much money I'm throwing <laughs> on them. You could throw some more money than me. Like, <laughs> this is how you do it. Get this the is fuck how you be in a strip club. I know. Sometimes we literally bully the men. Like, get the fuck out if you're not going to tip. She's an angel. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's beautiful. She is a saint. Get the fuck out. Get away from her stage. Like, literally, bully men. It was so funny. That's my favorite thing. Um, yeah. Bullying men. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For Girl, sure. I mean, they don't deserve us. It's forever anything. fuck men. They don't deserve us. <laughs> it's forever fuck men. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will always uphold that sentiment. So you mentioned briefly, like, that you, you, you know, how you got into stripping, but very vaguely. So if we could circle back to that, where were you? How old were you? How did you make the decision? And what was your first name that you went by? How did you choose that? <laughs> Um, okay. So what happened was I was working at Medtronic, um, which Wait. is this like Medtronic. Oh my God. I know Medtronic. Sorry. I like, oh, no, my, no. my old company used to work with them. So yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, it, I have my opinions about them, but, um, but I have my opinions about like all pharmaceutical companies, but like, that was like one of the places where I had like a very like racist, ordeal happened and that shit was like very very wild um but i had um i was me and my coworkers and like friends we like went to fridays on a friday and we were like i had like three like blue motherfuckers and everybody was kind of like tipsy you know what i mean like everybody was kind of feeling themselves we did some shots cute 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 and then my friend veronica was like my friend Veronica and Amadi were like, we should go to the strip club. And then the guys, like the two guys were like, no, no, like, mm, like being bitches. And we were like, okay, bitch, like, fine, we'll go to the strip club. Like, cool, whatever. Um, and then they were like, yeah, you guys have fun, whatever. And then I was like, I want to go home and change out of my, my work clothes or whatever. Went home transformed into a bad bitch then we like drove off went to sugars we went to sugars um in san antonio texas um it was real it was a cute we literally walked in walked through the metal detectors i'm like i already know this shit finna like go up oh shit metal detectors (laughs) right we went through a metal detector i'm already knowing this shit like popping damn that's like so texas (laughs) so then we get up in that bitch and then there's like these two big like um there's two big dudes who have like stacks of money all over the table they walk up they see us like standing like at like the entrance and they walk over to the bouncer and they hand him a stack and they just like motion him like they just do that and like do that and walk away and go back to their section and then the guy like escorts us to sit with him and we were to sit with these two dudes and we were like it was me my friend Maddie, and veronica and we're like 
what the fuck? Like, are we okay? Are we safe? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, like the two dudes were quiet. were like very not touchy, like just super, just kind of like, I feel like, yeah, I know like, these people in a way, you know, like those they, kinds of guys. <laughs> and they just had stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of money on the table. But like, apparently, but they were like big dudes, glasses on, like bottles and then they were like yeah girls aren't coming up to us so we figured we'll pay the bouncer to bring girls to us but like so we paid the bounce basically they paid the bouncers to have us seated with them so we can get strippers over oh huh. yeah That's so because so apparently like why were, i'm like so many questions why weren't the strippers fucking with these guys with the i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know but they were like in the section in the corner glasses on corner. and like like, just kind of, I guess they just, they looked, you know what I mean? I think, like, in a club like that, like Sugars, you know what I mean, where, like, a shooting did take place before, they probably thought, like, let's not approach these people. <laughs> but, but, like, me being naive and being like, ah, this is fun, a great time. I didn't know what the <laughs> fuck was going on, so I was like, we're having a great time. So... Literally, the, the dude was like, do you want a bottle? And I'm, we're like, uh, yeah, okay, cool. So, like, they buy a bottle, like, our own separate bottle. And then, like, they were like, give the strippers money. So I, And the strippers started coming over. So, like, the strippers literally started coming over when we sat down. And then we're like, okay. Like, we're just giving them, like, all of their stats. And the dudes are like, you having fun? And we're like, yeah. Like, cool. And, like, I remember looking at this one girl... Cause they did like a stage rotation. The stage was kind of like a runway and there's like two girls like on the poles and dancing and shit. And there's like one girl over here, like 20 feet away. And there's another girl right behind me. She's doing all kinds of tricks. And I was like, I want to do this. That's, that was just the thought. I was like, I want to do this. So I just started throwing money. And then the night ended, the guys went their separate way. Didn't give a shit about us. They had a good time. We had a good time. Wow. And, and I was like, and I was literally telling them my friends, Mari and Veronica, and I was like, I'm going to start stripping. And they were like, no, Dakari, no. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. I swear to God, I'm going to start stripping. Like, dead, dead ass. So then, like, like a week later, I was like, these bitches think I'm playing. <laughs> so I just started hitting, up, I started hitting up the strip clubs. And, like, one of I, I started, I can't think of the name of the one that I started at, but it was like one of those strip clubs where it was like just older women. I was just say that it was like a lot of older women. Um, that vibe. It was like that vibe. It was a lot of older women. And I was like the youngest person there. So, um, and I was probably, I was 22, 22. And I walked in and I was like, hi, um, I'm, I'm, I just wanted to know if you guys are hiring. And he was like, the manager was just standing there like, uh, for what? And I was like, you know. <laughs> and that was like all I said. You know. <laughs> that was all I said. And he was like, <laughs> entertainer? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, do you have any shoes? And I was like, no. And he's like, here, just go buy some. So I bought the fucking shoes. And he's like, all right, go to the back and change. And I went to the back and changed. And then, like, he was like, all right, you're good. When do you want to start? And I was like, um, I guess I'll just kind of like, he's like, why don't you just stand around and see what happens? So I just stood around 
and nothing happened and I made no money oh. and I was but I just like observed and then I had all the ladies like pinching my cheeks and shit um Aww, and it so was cute yeah it was fun they were just trying to teach me the ropes like oh don't go after that guy he fucking sucks he comes in here all the time he never gives no money oh blah 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 like don't get too fucked up in here otherwise like I'm sorry I'm like picking at my face because I know I have a cat here and I can feel it <laughs> I can feel the cat hair and I just can't seem to get it off all right um fuck it so it's just gonna tickle my face but um but yeah that was that was my first day. And then I didn't go back for another two days. And then like, I think it was a Thursday that's for the second time I went back. And I started making money and I like made like 70, like $8 on my first night working. I was like, yay, I made a little money, like cool. And um, then I started like making like within the hundreds and I started getting up there like within the first couple of weeks. And it was one of those clubs where it was super small there were no real private rooms. You would just give like lap dances, but like, um, but it adds up and I would just stay like all night just until like closing. I mean, closing. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, then I like was working at Medtronic and I was like, fuck this. I don't feel like doing this shit anymore. And you guys are fucked. Like, fuck y'all. Y'all fucking racist. I quit. So I left. And um, then like, yeah, I just like, was just stripping. Um, I lied to my mom about it um, for a little bit and she caught me because um, I was like staying with her. Um, and my name was Jinx, by the way, it was Jinx. How did you find um, the name Jinx? Well, actually the DJ at the, at the first club came up. He was like, I'm thinking between, he literally said, I'm thinking between Jinx or like onyx or something he's like but onyx wouldn't really fit you i think jinx and i was like why jinx and he was like um you ever seen uh 007 like james bond when holly berry was like the bond girl and i was like yeah he was like yeah you remind me of like a bond girl if like you were in it and i was like huh like is this a black dj no he's white i was like huh thanks i'm thinking like thanks weirdo but you know (laughs) i know (laughs) i'm just like damn this is like such a white dj he's like onyx like the black stone or jinx right and i was and i'm and then i think i made a comment like "Mm, i don't know like if i have like i don't know like i was just kind of like I feel like whenever I think of Onyx or I remember when I seen an Onyx like dancer, they're usually, they usually are dark skin. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of felt like, why would I be taking that name when like, it clearly isn't representative, but like, I also don't want you calling me like, you know what I mean? Like caramel shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, we don't need to do that either, but like, yeah, he called me. Um, he, I liked Jinx. I thought it, thought it stuck. Yes, um, that name. I, not a bad name. And then every club I've ever danced at, we're always like, huh, never had a Jinx before. I like it. But some people usually like, oh, you know, Jinx means bad luck. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, if you're fucking mean to me. So <laughs> I- <laughs> you know, like, don't make <laughs> bad not- luck for yourself. This is easy. <laughs> right. Don't give yourself bad luck if you're mean. Like, boom. Um, but yeah, my mom found out about it when she saw my envelopes of money Ooh. and the garbage because she had like lost her ring. And I was like, you would lose your ring and have to go search in the garbage, wouldn't you? Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and how did she react? Um, 
she didn't really care. She, I, we actually held it. We kept it a secret from my stepdad for like a year. Oh, that's nice of her. Yeah, we kept it a secret. <laughs> and what was his reaction? Um. Well, he's a minister. Oh. So, yeah. So he wasn't like I. He's not. He doesn't really get angry. He's not really like one of those people to like yell and scream and shout he was kind of just kind of like I think he was just more so like disappointed because I was like I, I, I get I'm known in the family of being like the sweet one or like the diplomatic one or like yeah. the you know mm-hmm. I'm that person like and I'm the middle child yeah um and I think he just kind of sees me in that way um, and I think everybody still sees me in that way, unfortunately. And I got a lot of like pushback from family, unfortunately. But I think every woman does whenever they decide to, you know, and get themselves involved into sex work. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's just it's kind of funny because, you know, I feel like a lot of people who are smart and diplomatic and all of that nurturing and otherwise the good the good girl or whatever gender yeah. you are like you end up in the industry like you decide the industry works for you right you decide the industry works for you um or it balances out like your shitty paying job you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like it and it's kind of like i'm sorry i just wasn't gonna make it on 13 dollars an hour like like, and nobody i'm sorry i get to decide when i go to work and if i don't want to go i don't have to yeah (laughs) wild concepts like (laughs) why did i ever put up with a schedule before (laughs) that part and then when strip club be trying to schedule you it's like okay bitch i did not sign up for this this is not what i signed up for yeah but you know like I, i always appreciated that whenever i was scheduled and stuff i could just call like an hour before and be like hey i'm not gonna come in they the clubs that i worked at where they also they made you schedule they usually would like make you pay back house Mm. yeah that was so that was a concept so it was either like you don't schedule yourself and you just come in on the days where you know you're gonna be there Mm -hmm. or like you just show up to work on the days that you scheduled yourself for yeah i mean there were like incentives for us it would be more like if you showed up on a day that you meant to that you said you would show up like you wouldn't have to, like, you would get, like, a $50 bonus for showing up or something. Cute. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So you started stripping, and did you move, you moved around clubs, or how long did you stay at that first one? Um, I stayed at that first one until I moved back to Chicago. So probably just, like, a couple, like, literally, like, a month or and a half or so. Um, and I just wanted to move back to Chicago because I fucking hated Texas. Um, I didn't mind the heat. It was just more so the people there. Like, the people yeah. just kind of fucking sucked. And then I, it was also 2016. And I was like, I am, I'm I'm aware that Trump is about to win. I do not want to be here you when Trump is here. country when he wins. No. no. I do not want to be here. Like, Texas is, like, a whole different animal. Because, like, it doesn't matter. That is one of the states where, like, race is not one of those things that like people identify with when it comes to their politics so literally there was all kinds of people with trump stickers on their shit and i'm like "Mm, i'm not trying to be here when trump wins i'm just not trying to be here because like yeah no um so i left i came back to chicago um where i knew like my niggas was gonna be at so (laughs) boom um and then like (laughs) 
we I got back to Chicago and I was at first working at this one club named Allure, um, which was like one of those real shitty, shisty clubs where like, you know, they take all your money, yada, yada, yada. They've since closed down. So like, fuck them. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started working at Ocean um, and I was actually there for a little while because and, and the thing is, is that like I was in these suburb clubs because city clubs were not hiring me. And like, cause as soon as I like essentially touched down in Chicago after like giving myself a little bit of time to relax and like, you know, I was catching back up with friends and all that. And then I was like, I'm going to find a club to work at. Um, and then the three city clubs in Chicago at the time was VIPs, uh, Pink Monkey and the Admiral Theater. And all three of those clubs never hired me um just because like they were notoriously known for like not really hiring black girls which is Um, wild because it's fucking chicago yeah the well chicago is one of the most segregated cities in like the country um you can literally get on the red line and ride from howard to 95th and notice a stark difference of like who's getting on and who's getting off and um and it's like you know I remember like a poet, um, think, I, I, I forgot, I, I forgot what poet it was, but like, they talk about like how, you know, Chicago is one of those like melting pots, but like every flavor you can still like taste distinctively, um, just because there's so many different pockets within the city that like, you know, mm-hmm. are, are populated with like a certain kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. So you kept getting rejected and what did they say for the rejections? They either like wouldn't see me. Um, the managers would like, I, I would just, I would, I would notice people coming out with like name tags and you know what I mean? Like, I know it's a manager and, um, they would pretend like they're not, um, they would give me an application, um, as if like, you know what I mean? It's like, come on, like an application, seriously, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, like they'd give me an application and they keep giving me an application or they'd be like, we're not really hiring right now. Or like, you know, or we're not really like getting, doing any auditions or anything like that. Um, and, and it was always something different. And it was, I always heard different stories when it came to different people getting hired at those spaces. Um, and then there were so many girls that would be at come to ocean because ocean was one of those newer clubs. And they also had like a pool around the stage. Um, Yeah, Ocean is a beautiful club. Don't get me wrong. Um, I don't really necessarily agree with how it's ran. Um, It kind of like essentially like it hires black women, but like it just kind of upholds like certain like policies that just like that just like don't align with like creating like fostering safe environments. Um, But anyway, they uh, I was working there and like Girls from Admiral, which is one of the only city clubs at the time, was like making any money and like garnering any customer base and uh it's a full new club and it's in uh albany park so like the northwest side and they were like you need to come to the admiral you need to come to the admiral like you're so hot like there's nobody here and you're not making any money like i know you're not making money you need to come to the admiral and i'm like they're not i'm like they're not hiring me like and they won't hire me and the Mm -hmm. only time that i got hired was when like i lied and said that i knew somebody to even get me through the door and like the manager that they told me to lie to to say wasn't there called out and then i got like another manager um and this was so and and the i had i had tried to audition from september 
all the way like through April. I had finally gotten hired in April. Oh my fucking god, that's a lot. And then, um, and the manager was a woman, and she was like, uh, "Yeah, come on, let's let me see." And uh, my audition was, "Yeah, so get naked," and I took off my clothes. And she was like, good, all right. Yeah, when you wanna start? And I was like, um, okay, like, I guess. But um, yeah, that was, that was like the, that was, that was, yeah. That was, that it's, and, and it was like a turn of, it was definitely a turn of events and a very like happy moment for me because number one, I lived up north. Um, I lived up north where like, I, I my like, transportate like my my trans like my transportation coming from home to there would have been like 15 minutes and then um it was also one of the only clubs making any money um because when i was working at ocean there would literally like be no one there Mm -hmm. and then when there's no one there you're not making any money and then like maybe the few customers that do come in and give you any money the club takes it so like i was going home with like you know just just as much as I would leave the house with Mm -hmm. and there were times where I couldn't even like make it all the way home from like my uber rides or cab rides because and I would literally book a motel like down the street and stay there for the night or two nights and just just to try to make some money just to get back home the home that I was trying to pay rent for like it was a struggle and it was a struggle from literally that time from I started working at ocean from October to like April. And like, that was my life. Like either not being able to afford my rent um, or just like, you know, not even being able to stay home. Um, And like all because like the city clubs weren't hiring black women. Um, And then I, when I think, and I think like also with the stripper strike, like when I think about all of those experiences of like, you know, what my life was like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just, just, just in the industry in general, like over a long term span, not just like my time at, at the club that I'm working at or w- was working at, but like my experience over a like a span of time, um, which has been like, was it 21? So almost five years. Um, you know, like it, I, ha- I, I definitely was able to establish some like financial independence. I've been able to travel. I've been able to, you know, fucking furnish my like apartments that I move into within like a week. You know, I've been I've been able to pay rent on time and all that, establish credit, you know, all of that. And then when I think about my time like over a long term span, it it still it stings sometimes because it's like, you know, there are some experiences that I wish I didn't have to go through based on like, you know what I mean, harmful ideas or policies that like these clubs just like have that are just like just a uniform like it's also like you're a stunning person there's no reason why you should not have been hired like literally like it's just absolutely criminal that like they wouldn't you know like, thank I know, you it sounds like i'm flattering you but i'm just being honest it's like what the fuck facts I'm just <laughs> spitting straight facts it's literally just like the sky is blue and dakari's beautiful so like thank you <laughs> and this fat ass like 
like I'm not getting hired are you kidding me right it's just it's so wrong and it's like that you would have to work so hard and go so far out of your way and that you would struggle like that it's just like it's heartbreaking and the and the fact that it's like you're not the only person you're like one of most black dancers (laughs) and it's definitely definitely different for you know women who are darker it's definitely different for women who are bigger it's definitely different for you know what I mean like femmes who you know what I mean don't necessarily identify like you know what I mean like people who don't necessarily identify as like femme bodies you know what I mean but like would want to get into the industry and then like you know be declined just based off of like just literal like appearance of like self and it's kind of like I mean hell even just like my hair alone just or lack thereof has just been like oh that's too radical like you need to put a wig on or something and it's like the fuck like and do what I remember I remember when I got hired the manager was like oh guys like long blonde hair and I'm like bitch I I don't grow long blonde hair (laughs) (laughs) am I a chia pet the fuck I don't I don't grow long blonde hair Uh, oh my gosh that's just too real though so um another thing that you did I think you filed a lawsuit right I did I I, well not a lot I mean a claim um so with the EEOC I did uh file um I I went ahead and filed like because like that was the initial that was the plan you know what I mean like everybody like what Kat and I is like or, or Kat was kind of like, she gave me this template um, of like emails to send out to all the clubs or whatever and like try to get people to comply with like Haymarket Pulls demands and whatnot. And like she was able to get people to sign on, but like um, none of the clubs like, responded to me. So I was like, okay, like what power do I have to be able to either like organize people to file claims against like their own clubs or just like go ahead and do it for mine? And then maybe from that, it could like have a ripple effect. Um, And I had like the email essentially stated like, hey, if y'all don't get into like, if y'all don't get into compliance by like this date, we're going to go ahead and like file suits or like file claims. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like I wanted to... I wanted, I was, I, what I, I guess like my mindset was kind of like clubs and Chica- like Chicago is one of those places. It's not like Portland, you know what I mean? Like Chicago is not like Portland where like, I feel like Portland is kind of like willing to bend a little bit, right? Like Portland is also widely known to like be extremely racist, but it's also kind of like, you know, you, you, you read about more like changes or more like, I guess, progressive ways of thinking, um, but like, I'm sure it's not actually being upheld. Yeah. Um, so yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's actually not being upheld, but like you hear more about like, um, I guess like changes or like conversations or something, you know what I mean? Even like just pro- like more progression happening in those spaces. And I feel like Chicago is just like a bit harder to budge. I mean, look at our mayor, look at, you know what I mean? Like just our politicians that have just been like running through here in general. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of like fuck shit going on here. Um, not gonna lie. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It's a lot of it's a lot of fuck shit that happens in in terms of like politics here. Um, and I had um, 
I re- I found a lawyer through like just the community. Literally, somebody was like, "Hey, I know this person. They're a bomb ass like labor lawyer, and like they're cool as shit." And I used to work with them, used to work for them, and like I went to school with them. So I'm I'm not like this isn't biased. They're really good, and my lawyers like took their time. And we're so incredibly detailed and we're so incredibly like attentive and always like, yeah, so love them. Um, but yeah, we went ahead and filed the EEOC charge, um, essentially just like attesting to, you know, the testimonials of like myself, like my words and like from others about like our experiences there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, yeah. So, yeah, (laughs) I can't really give like that many details about it. But like, I'm hoping that like um, from this, you know, um, I'm hoping that like from this that like we can, you know, I'm like maybe it could like create a ripple effect of like change. Like maybe other clubs will just be like, you know what? You right. I don't want any smoke. So like, let's just. (laughs) Awesome. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. You may have heard that this Monday was Women's Day. It is the day men around the world come together to create women. How are women made? You might ask. It is a secret men have kept for eons. But now, finally, we have the answer. The men, or human males as they are called scientifically, gather for an elaborate mating ritual. Adorned in traditional masculine costumes of board shorts, carpenter jeans, shirts donning the names of men who play together in groups called teams, and other signifiers of their human male identity. They perform elaborate rituals that one might call sexual in nature. They pat each other's posteriors, engage in erotic sided hugs, and bait each other, discussing the line between masculinity and femininity, equating femininity with homoeroticism. When the sexual tension becomes unbearable, the men then mate in a frenzied throng, casting their semen onto the ground. Not all of the fruits of their erotic dance survive, but the spermatozoa that reach fertile ground coagulate and gradually form eggs that contain the fetal beginnings of what is known as woman. So we're reaching the end of our time, Takari. This has been like amazing. I love all of your stories. I could listen to you forever. Yes. Um, where can we find you? And do you have anything you want to plug? I would want to encourage people to actually donate to Chicago's for sex work. Um, and that is um, by founded by Lenzo and Queen. Can you spell it out? And is it on Instagram? Yeah. Uh, Chicago's for sex work is C H uh, I C A G H O E S for F O R S X W O R K. Um, and that is by um, Lenzo the Heartthrob. So they're also on Instagram. And that is L Y N Z O T H E H E A R T T H R O B. And then there's Queen Hibbler, um, who also makes like amazing art um, and beautiful rings. 
Um, and uh, their names is uh, Queen Dot, so Q-U-E-E-N dot Hibbler, H-I-B-B-L-E-R. Um, and they um, do the, they navigate the Black and Brown Sex Workers Mutual Aid Fund here in Chicago. Um, and... Yeah. Um, and then I would also want to encourage people to follow Stripper Strike Chicago. Um, so that's S-T-R-I-P-P-E-R, um, S-T-R-I-K-E, Chicago, C-H-I-C-A-G-O. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yes. And Thank Corey, you. Where you, can we did, find you? You can find oh, me, like my own personal oh, Instagram. Yeah, yeah sure. It. Go for that. Um, Ho Stelium. So that's H-E-A-U-X. S-T-E-L-L-I-U-M. Awesome. Awesome. You can find me at the goddess Corey on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, I have a milkshake. It does bring all the boys to the yard. Uh, (laughs) You can click the links in it. (laughs) Amazing. I'm Selena the Stripper. You can find me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can follow my Patreon at The Real Pretty Boy Girl. You can follow our Instagram at Ho in the Nose, spelled Hukes in the Nukes. If you made it this far, then you should know how to spell it. <laughs> Leave us a re- uh, review. Give us five stars. Um, we love you so much. Uh, and, you know, pay attention to what I'm doing on Soldiers of Pole at Soldiers underscore of underscore pole underscore. We will be changing the handle soon, maybe by the time I post this episode, too, at uh, Strippers United INC on instagram um and thank y'all for tuning into this episode uh i wish you a one week fewer of winter wherever you are yes. <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us akari okay thank you thank you for having me all right bye everybody bye bye more money i want your money i want more money 